Um, okay, well, in, in August of 2016, uh, I went to Georgia with some friends. Uh, and one of the first things we did when we got there was we went to um, a place called uh, uh, Settlers Bridge. Uh, it's, a, it's a big old iron bridge that extends over the Chattahoochee River. Um, it's it's uh, kind of dilapidated. The, the, the floor on it, the road on it, was removed or fell, fell out a long time ago. And both ends are covered in a bunch of overgrown plants and trees. And the thing to do here is you climb up on the bridge and jump off into the insanely cold water below. Uh, and looking up from the bridge, uh, it looked fine. Really easy, no problem. I could definitely do it. Uh, uh, problem, it was terrible. Um, once I got up there, um, I was kind of ahead of everyone as we climbed up over the beams. And um, I looked over the edge and something really supernatural had occurred. Uh, the bridge from the ground had looked to be about 15 feet from the water, uh, but it had grown as we crossed it to more like 40 feet over the water. And so, and then something kind of weird started happening. Um, I started to say out loud and almost involuntarily, I don't like this. And I repeated that over and over and over again. I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this, for several minutes, uh, to the point where uh, I still have friends today who mock me uh, with that catchphrase. Uh, so I eventually uh, sort of jumped off the bridge, uh, and I have a video to prove it. Um, and I was so filled with adrenaline and uh, stupidity that I did it a second time. Uh, I was no less afraid the second time than I was the first. And uh, so I just continued to mutter my new catchphrase, I don't like this, and I uh, made the jump again. Um, so uh, we're talking about fear today. Um, fear is an emotion that arises out of a threat of being harmed, either physically, emotionally, or psych uh, psychologically. Uh, it can arise from things that are real or imagined. Uh, in the horrific story I just described, I was faced with the very real threat of jumping off a bridge and free-falling a thousand feet to my sure demise. Um, a couple years ago, my stepdad was diagnosed with cancer. Um, I remember sitting home one day and uh, praying, praying for him, and my mind started to wander, and, and I started to think about what would happen if he died. And I kind of snapped out of that thought process, and I realized that I was afraid I was afraid of, uh, of him dying. And, um, and so that, I mean, that, that was an, ima an imagined scenario, uh, but the threat was real, and thinking about it provoked real emotional and uh, psychological responses in me. So fear shows us what we love. It can, it can warn us of a potential threat in order to keep us safe. Uh, we're told many times throughout Scripture to fear the Lord, and I want to suggest to you today that a proper fear of the Lord will help you view sin rightly and cultivate humility and obedience in your relationship with God. Um, so first, we're going to talk about what it means to fear the Lord, okay? What it means to fear the Lord. Uh, and then we're going to move on to how we can actually do that. So, uh, so we're going to work towards this answer, okay? What it means to fear the Lord. Uh, and, and I want to start with some scripture. I'm going to walk you through a, a little Bible study exercise here in my community group, this is going to feel very familiar because we do it almost every week. Okay, the, the pattern I like to follow 
um, is you take a topic and you find some scripture that relates to that topic and then you just jot some notes down about uh, what each passage tells you uh, about the topic. Okay, so we're going to do that. Um, our topic is fearing God. We want to learn more about that. We'll look, we'll find some scripture about it. Um, you guys might in your own time pull out your Bible and find uh, some verses on it. Look at the concordance. You might Google some verses. Uh, for my purposes, I opened up a chat GPT. Anybody? It's like an AI bot. And I asked it to give me, uh, I said, give me, give me some verses on fearing God. And it, it did a pretty good job. I supplemented it a little bit. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have them on the screen. I'm going to read them. I'll, I'll do a couple myself, and then we'll have some audience participation. So uh, the first verse is Isaiah 8, 13 and 14. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. And he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. So from this verse, right, we see that um, when we fear God, he becomes a sanctuary for us, okay? Um, we'll do another verse. Um, uh, Proverbs 9.10 says, Fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs, or Psalm 111.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. Proverbs 1.7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. These are all very similar, right? What do we get from these? The fear of the Lord brings wisdom and knowledge. And then from Psalm 111, it even says, all those who practice it have a good understanding. So it seems the fear of the Lord can be practiced. Okay, so let's do some audience participation. I'll read the verse, and then whoever just shout out what, uh, what we get from the fear of the Lord from this. So, oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. Okay. So what do we get? What do we understand from the fear of the Lord from reading this verse? It's not a trick question. We lack, we lack nothing. Wonderful. Perfect. Yes. Okay. Let's go. Let's, let's do another one. Uh, Proverbs 14, 26 to 27. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children will have a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. What do we see from this verse? Life-giving. Life Great. Okay. Protects us from death. Okay. Protects us from death. That's awesome. Wonderful. Anything else? Okay. Confidence. Refuge. Wonderful. Okay. Let's do the last one. Uh, Psalm twenty-five, fourteen. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. Great. So uh, friendship with the Lord is equated to fearing the Lord. Okay. What else? A relationship with God. Okay. A relationship. Yeah. So he covenants with us as a result of fearing him. Wonderful. So there is certainly a biblical precedence for, um, for fearing God. And as you know, scripture uh, shows us, it brings good things, right? Sanctuary, life, escape from death, friendship with God. Uh, but let's, let's just keep going. Okay, we want, uh, these verses do a great job at, at uh, showing us what the benefits are of fearing God. But what is it about God that we should fear? Okay. Um, so remember, we're, we're kind of building our way to this answer of what it means to fear the Lord. Uh, and I think the next step is uh, to, to understand what it means to fear the Lord is to understand who God is and understand how he deals with sin. So understanding who God is and how he deals with sin 
will help us understand if we should fear him and why we should fear him. So um, let's talk about who God is. Uh, I'm going to read a description of God, and it's, it's not exhaustive. I'm not writing a systematic theology. Um, it's just a simple reminder for us of who God is. God is the supreme being, the creator and ruler of all that is, the self-existent one who is perfect in power, goodness, and wisdom. He is infinite, incomparable, and unchanging. He exists everywhere, knows everything, and has all power and authority. He is just, loving, truthful, and holy. God shows compassion, mercy, and grace. He judges sin, but also offers forgiveness. He actively sustains the world and is redeeming man from the curse of sin and death, and he will judge the world. This is the God uh, who Isaiah says in Isaiah 6, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eye has seen the, the King, the Lord of hosts. And then Peter says in Luke 5, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And then in Exodus 33, Moses asks God to see his glory, and God wouldn't even show Moses his face, uh, or else Moses would die. So these are, these are really wonderful things to remember about God. And, and you know, uh, like me, a lot of you might think, well, I already know these things about God. I know who God is. But consider how much of the Christian life is reminding ourselves of who God is. And much of, much of um, the fear, fearing man is the fact that we have forgotten or lost sight of who God is. Because if, if we remembered him daily... We probably wouldn't struggle with sin as much. We probably um, wouldn't let people take his place uh, as much as they do in our lives. Um, so I think, I think reminding ourselves of who God is informs uh, if we should fear God. So let's keep going and let's talk about how God deals with sin. So God is often described as a consuming fire, burning up anything unholy. In Leviticus 10, Aaron's sons were destroyed by fire after offering a profane sacrifice to God. And when prophesying the destruction of the Assyrians, Isaiah describes God as burning with anger. His lips are full of fury, and his tongue is a devouring fire. His arm comes down with raging anger and consuming fire. Matthew 10.28 says, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. And Hebrews 10, 30 and 31 says, For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Now, I don't mean to rain on your parade with a, with a picture of a God that is uh, dark and scary, but I think we must understand these aspects of God if we are to rightly fear him. I think in our daily lives, we seriously underestimate how holy God is and how sinful we are. Uh, I think we need to be reminded of what God thinks about sin and how he handles it, especially if we are to fear him rightly, right? So it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Um, so I think after looking at scripture and after understanding who God is and how he deals with sin, it is probably very safe to say God is to be feared. Uh, he is the supreme being. He's the creator. He's the ruler of everything. He's infinite in his, in his existence, and he is infinite in his love for us. And he judges and forgives with ferocity. His holiness burns up unholiness. Um, and so I think I, with those things in mind, I think we can approach 
um, understanding what the fear of God is. And, and for unbelievers, fearing God means that they are under his just wrath and headed towards judgment. For believers, um, we fear God because, of, because we are under his loving discipline. Uh, fearing God should cause the believer and the unbeliever to run towards God. There are fears that drive us away from the things we're afraid of, right? Uh, spiders, heights, physical harm. Um, and there are fears that motivate us to act differently, right? You're, a fail, uh, you're afraid of failing a class, and so you put away social media or YouTube, and you start to study, and you pay attention. Or you're afraid of losing a job, and so you become a more honest employee, and you uh, are more diligent at work. Understanding uh, who God is and how he deals with sin, okay, understanding why we should feel, fear God actually leads us, the believer and the unbeliever, to God, not away from him. The fear of God is the type of fear that draws us in and it motivates us to remain close to him. Now, remember what we read in Proverbs 14, um, which said fearing God is our refuge, right? Um, he's our refuge from death, from eternal punishment, from God's wrath, and that's for the believer and the unbeliever. Fearing God should act as an incentive for us not to run away from him. Um, I I mean, for Christians, I I think it is entirely possible for us to grow proud and arrogant and self-sufficient and turn away from the Lord. Um, I was chatting with my sister a while back, and we were talking about some of the, some of the people we grew up with uh, in youth group um, in middle school and high school, and we could unfortunately name way more people that are not following the Lord anymore than, uh, than the people that faithfully are following the Lord. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I have, in my, in my life, I, I have some strong pulls to some besetting sins. Um, besetting sins are, are those sins that, that, that one has kind of a unique proclivity towards. Right? These are, it's, it's, uh, it, there, are, there are a lot of different ones, but um, I think of like sexual immorality, adultery, idolatry, homosexuality, theft, greed, drunkenness, lying. Um, I can sometimes look at what those certain sins uh, could offer me in my life, and I can see a very clear path that would lead me away from the Lord and into his wrath. But do you know what, what keeps me and what keeps Christians from doing that, from from, from acting on those heinous thoughts, it should be the fear of the Lord, right? Um, it's the fear of not being by his side. It's the fear of walking away from God. It's knowing who God is and how he deals with sin, uh, it, which is our reason for not wanting to turn away from him, for not wanting to walk away and turn our backs on him. Um, John Piper uh, tells of a, a time when he and his six-year-old son went to visit a friend at his house. They knock on the door, the friend answers, and the friend has a huge dog. This dog stands on four legs, eye to eye with Piper's son. Um, uh, John Piper sends his son back to the car to get something they forgot. And the dog goes barreling after this kid, barking and growling. And the kid freezes, locks up, he's terrified. And the friend just casually yells out, um, uh, maybe you better not run from him. He doesn't like it when people run from him. And then John Piper um, adds in a commentary, he says, God is horrifically dangerous to run away from, and we should be terrified to run away from God. But if we stay with him, his growl is a growl for our protection, not our destruction. This, is, this was, when I was studying this topic, this was one of the, 
it was a paradox to me. It, it took me a while to, to really understand what does it mean to fear God? Because I always think of fear as something that we, we, we want to avoid and run away from. Uh, but there is protection in fear. It motivates us to change and it motivates us, um, in this case, to stay near to the Lord. So fearing, fearing God should be del- a delightful thing to the Christian. Fearing God doesn't drive us away, but it draws us in. Why do we delight in fearing the Lord? Because Proverbs 1.7, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 14, the fear of the Lord, uh, one has strong confidence and his children will have a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. Deuteronomy 10 says, fearing the Lord is for our good. Isaiah 8 says, fear God and he is our sanctuary. Uh, Proverbs 19 says, fearing God leads to life and well-being. Psalm 34 says, those who fear God have no lack. The scriptures are, are just, they reek with fearing the Lord and the benefits that we reap from that, the joy and delight from fearing the Lord. Um, fearing God, fear God and, and be delighted because it means you're near to him, right? We, we are sinners. I'm a sinner. I deserve wrath, but I've been saved by the blood of Christ and God looks at me and sees Christ's righteousness. Fear for what I deserve leads me to be extremely grateful and thankful um, for God's grace and his work in my life. So I hope we understand now what it means to fear God, uh, but how do we actually do it? Um, I think um, we're going to read Proverbs 2, 1 to 5. And um, I think this tells us uh, that we fear God in in three ways, through humility, obedience, and prayer. Uh, So this says, uh, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So we've got this this wonderful proverb that tells us how to understand the fear of the Lord. Um, And the first thing we see is we fear God by being humble. Being humble is fearing God. And in the entire posture of this proverb is really one of humility. We see, uh, re- you know, receive my words, treasure up my commandments, uh, making your ear attentive to wisdom, inclining your heart to understanding. Right? These are actions and desires of somebody who is seeking to be humble. Uh, in order to come to Christ, we have to come in humility. And in order to stay by his side, we have to have a proper fear of him. And we must continually humble ourselves. We must deny ourselves, as it says in Matthew 16, 24. Our righteousness didn't secure our standing before God. Christ secured our standing before God by exchanging our sin for his righteousness. There's, we, we don't have, we can't boast in that. It, it wasn't through us. It, we're, we're humble in that. Humble people know they're fallible. They take correction and admonishment seriously. Humble people know they're dependent on God alone and the grace we receive from him. Jesus came to not to be served, but to serve. So we commit to serving others and counting others as more significant than ourselves. Um, John Parrott, in his book, uh, Insecure, um, which I have here if you want to take a look at it, um, he, he says, Humility cultivates a fear of the Lord because it reminds us that there is someone bigger, more powerful, more gracious, more beautiful, more loving than ourselves. Um, So we fear God by practicing humility, and we fear God by obeying him. Obedience is fearing the Lord. 
not only is this entire posture of this proverb one of humility, but is also one of obedience. Uh, People who want to obey God will receive his words. They'll treasure up his commandments. They'll seek out wisdom and understanding. They'll call out for help. The Christian life is a constant growth in our desire and our ability to obey God. Uh, We can't obey perfectly. We strive by the Spirit to do so, knowing that Christ has purchased our perfect obedience with his blood on the cross. Um, Luke 6.46 says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? There's a connection between obedience and love. Um, John 14.15 says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Have you ever... Have you ever just asked yourselves like the, the seemingly simple questions about the Christian faith? Um, I'm a product designer. That's the job that I do all the time. And um, I design solutions to problems all day long or mostly all day long. Um, and the, the bread and butter of product design is really uh, asking a lot of questions uh, to an annoying degree um, or in asking why a lot and challenging assumptions. Um, And so when I go to study a topic, I kind of take that with me. And I don't assume that I know the answer to something just because it's it's kind of what I've gotten over years of being a Christian. And so I I like to stop and ask the really simple questions. And so there there a while back I was I was studying obedience and I just started by asking myself, what is obedience? And in answering that led me um, to to asking a lot of other questions. What is disobedience? What are the causes of disobedience? Who's God that he is deserving of my obedience to him? That one's an interesting question to ask, and it, it'll, it'll take you, it took me a while to, to, to work through scripture on that. There's a lot to that. And it, it's interesting how far you can get uh, working through a problem just by asking questions. Uh, and many times the questions that you ask reveal a lot about where your heart is at. So uh, I, I, would, I would encourage you guys, I mean, if you have like a regular pattern of sin in your life, if you have a regular pattern of disobedience, an, a regular, an area that you continually disobey God, you know, I would encourage you to take some time and, and really dig into that. You know, I, I think a lot of times when we're faced with sin and suffering, we are quick, um, to, we're quick to pray, pray bad behavior, pray about bad behavior and ask God to remove bad behavior, but we forget about what's going on in our heart. We don't really pause and ask, you know, what is going on in my heart that is causing me to desire or do this sinful thing? Um, and and th- that kind of work takes a little time. You, you have to dig down to get that. Um, and so I, I would encourage you to ask questions like that. Get to the root. Um, and, you know, all of a sudden you're not, you're no longer praying that God would help you stop bad behavior, that he would simply help you obey him more, but you're praying that, that you would trust him more or you're confessing sins of dependence on something else other than God. You're confessing, uh, you know, issues with control. Um, and so, so, I, so we see that uh, fearing God is being humble, okay? Fearing God is obeying him. And then I'll wrap up with the last point. Fearing God is praying. And we see that in verse three. Um, Call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. This is speaking of prayer and it's tied to humility. Now, the main purpose of prayer is asking the Lord for stuff, right? No? Okay. Anybody awake? <laughs> uh, no, no, no. The main purpose of prayer is worship, right? There's a lot to be said about prayer, um, and I, I, I wouldn't uh, dare spend too much time on it. Um, and so but for the purposes of, of our talk this morning, I, I think I'll just remind us of the Lord's Prayer. Um, the Lord's Prayer is found in Matthew 6 and 11. 
and it's a great thing to memorize and recite from time to time, but it, it also acts as a sort of ingredient list uh, that kind of help us understand what sorts of things uh, should go into a prayer. Um, these, you, you, uh, the purpose is you, you take an ingredient and you take the meaning and purpose behind that and you pray through that and you'd move on through it. So you, our Father in heaven, right? This reminds us of who we are praying to and how we're unable to come to him uh, except through Christ. And you'd pray through that idea. And then you move on. Hallowed be your name, right? This tells us there's nothing and no one more important than God. And you'd pray through that concept and then you move on. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Here we might, here we might ask the Lord for something, but we recognize that um, it, his will is greater than our own and we submit to that. Um, could you, can you see how that kind of model would foster humility um, and obedience, and it, and it emphasizes a right fear of God. Um, again, John Parrott in his book, Insecure, writes, uh, prayer feeds the fear of the Lord because it moves us to reflect on God's goodness. Remembering, uh, fearing God is about running toward him, not away from him. We find shelter and safety from his wrath by his side, and we delight in his awesomeness while in his warm embrace, not apart from it. Um, okay, if you want to read more about um, that kind of uh, praying through the Lord's Prayer, Martin Luther has a great book called A Simple Way to Pray. It's very small and wonderful, um, but, and it's kind of, you know, it's Martin Luther, uh, but if you, want the, if you want the more whimsical approach, there's a book called The Barber Who Wanted to Pray. Wonderful illustrations. Uh, R.C. Sproul wrote this one, and it's for kids, and it's great. I don't have kids, but I have that book. Um, <laughs> it's great. So, um, so just in wrapping up, um, Marshall Seagal, uh, in a, in a, in a post on desiring God says to cure the fear of man, we must see Christ who died for us as fearfully and wonderfully holy to stop fearing wrongly. We must start fearing rightly. Um, fear, fear that causes us to be proud and arrogant and self-sufficient fear that causes us to be disobedient to God, fear that causes us to devalue God and elevate man. Things that take us away from God, is fear, that's fearing wrongly. Um, and I hope today you've seen that fearing God is rooted in an understanding of who he is and how he handles sin. We fear God because of how amazing and powerful and holy he is. We also fear him because we know, either from experience or from reading scripture, what it is like to be apart from him and what it, what it would be like to turn our backs on him. And then the byproduct of fearing God is, fearing God rightly is humility, obedience, and prayer.